Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host, and I am a change and transformation specialist, working with retailers to identify the ideal or target operating model, and then put in place the change roadmap to bring that into life, driving cost changes, driving growth opportunities, and driving a better customer experience. I appreciate you listening in today. This one is episode 207, number 207. Now, if you are staying in touch with the retail news, then I'm sure you will have seen stories around the challenges facing the quick commerce or Q-commerce market, particularly around profitability. And additionally, I'm sure you will have seen the news that in the UK, at least, Amazon have paused the deployment and expansion of their Amazon Fresh stores powered by Just Walkout technology. And when you think about these two major stories, it really inspires an interesting question that I wanted to explore with you today. And that question is, is transformation failing at present? And if so, what can we do about it? And by the way, if you are looking to stay in touch with the ever-evolving world of retail, then you must sign up for my email newsletter. It's called the Retail Transformation Briefing, and every week you can stay in touch with the hot trends and themes from around the changing world of retail, looking at different trials, different insights from, like I say, the entire globe, helping you to stay in touch as the market develops. You can sign up for free over on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 207. That's obandco.uk slash 207. But back to today's episode, is transformation failing at the moment? Well, let's just have a bit of a think about what is going on with each of those major news stories that we just highlighted. First up, the challenges facing quick commerce, and in particular, those profitability questions. And that whole movement, that trend, is facing a question of, is this business model able to be profitable? And secondly, how big is the opportunity? Now, I think actually the quick commerce market has expanded massively quickly, particularly powered by COVID, but I think arguably it has overexpanded and overexpanded too quickly before customer behavior has really changed. When we think about instant deliveries, you know, get your groceries in 10 minutes or less, was consumer demand ever that high? Is it ever going to be that high? How many people really need to get that bottle of Coke within 10 minutes versus walking down the street for five minutes or whatever? That whole quick commerce market, again, has attracted many, many startups. And now it certainly seems that we've got too many companies fighting over too small a market. It's become overcrowded. And consequently, there is a ton of confusion now in the market. Lots of different brands 
no real established leader, not that has, you know, a history that everyone knows. For example, like the classic grocery market. In the UK, we've got Tesco, we've got Sainsbury's. People have heard of these companies, right? Same wherever you are in the world, people have heard of the big players. But when you've got a market flooded with startups, with new companies that no one really knows who they are, they don't know who they can trust. And especially in our modern web enabled world, how do you even spell that name? (laughs) But in this densely populated startup market, all of these different companies are fast moving. They're all tech enabled and digitally proficient or even digitally advanced. And what that has meant is that as the different companies have carved out a unique selling point, a USP, that has quickly become adopted in the market as a standard factor. The most obvious being the very concept of a 10-minute delivery. And now these companies are facing an ongoing promotional cycle to try and earn market share, to try and build consumer habit slash addiction. And of course, to continue to keep that funding cycle going as well. However, it is not an ever-expanding market and shareholders are beginning to realise that not everyone can win. So now we're starting to see more strategic differentiation, particularly with companies like Jiffy, for example, moving more into a software as a service space rather than a delivery courier space. An interesting switch and transformation for them. So in the quick commerce market, we've got lots of these companies that have got a business plan. And because of that overcrowding of the market, that highly competitive field, coupled with a relatively low consumer demand, and we've got big questions raised over profitability. Moving on, though, let's think about Amazon and how they have paused the rollout of their fresh stores in the UK. Now, these highly tech-enabled stores that allow consumers to walk in, pick up their shopping and walk out without having to queue, without having to scan, etc., are a massive investment, both in terms of investing cash into the technology that you see if you look up in one of these stores, loads of cameras, loads of sensors all over the shop, as well as, of course, the infrastructure that you do not see behind the scenes in terms of servers, in terms of processing power, etc., that all, of course, need to work in real time and with high levels of accuracy. And then, of course, you've got the strategic and tactical planning and operations that goes into making that particular retail operation and any retail operation happen, of course. I'm sure you're familiar with the amount of effort that goes into that. So opening up a whole new estate of stores is no mean feat. It is a big play, it is a major investment, like I say. And I think what's happened, certainly in the UK, is that people's shopping habits seem to be a little bit more entrenched than perhaps might have been assumed. And this is very much a factor of learning that I'm sure will be super valuable to Amazon. We'll come back to that point in just a moment. But there have been a number of different challenges. The power of the big weekly shop, the shift in working patterns and the split from working from home versus working from the office. And of course, in the Amazon stores, certainly from my perspective, the price point was ever so slightly higher. And when we're faced with a market with big inflation and big cost challenges to the consumer's pocket, people start to review their spending. Each pound, 
each penny is harder to earn. And therefore, the consumers want to look after it a little bit more carefully. And it's therefore harder to sell to a consumer as well. And those additional price points are going to be a difference between making a purchase or walking an extra few hundred yards, perhaps, and queuing up at a checkout for a couple of minutes. And this also is going to be a big learning for Amazon. Now, I have to be honest, Amazon are a clever organization. I have big respect for how they operate. I know that is not necessarily equally shared across the entire retail community, but whether you like them or loathe them, you have to recognize the smartness and what they do and the fact that they are continually experimenting, continually testing, continually learning, and therefore continually evolving, continually improving. And right now, the Amazon Fresh strategy feels very much like part of that approach. They're not pulling back. They're not closing stores. It's just that Amazon have decided they're not going to surge forward at the speed that they were planning to. Instead, they're going to take time to reflect, time to gather more data, time to refine their ideas, time to improve their business model and their operating model. And if every other innovative proposition that they've come up with over the past 20 plus years tells us anything, it means that they're going to come back with a stronger, sharper proposition. So I don't think this is the end of the story. So as we look at that market, you've got convenience grocery stores, which are very dependent on the whole return to office movement, along with the financial upheaval in the wider market, the likelihood of the original business plan, the business case becomes more foggy, more uncertain. And therefore, the overall risk is increasing. And that's why, in my belief, Amazon are pressing pause. They're looking to understand the unknowns. They're looking to minimize the risk and work out how they can be more customer obsessed in this market. So like I say, the story is not over. But between this particular story and the quick commerce challenges, arguably two of the biggest retail trends of 2022, you know, it does raise that question, is transformation failing at present? And I think to understand better, I think we should zoom out and think, well, why would transformation fail? And I wanted to share three thoughts for today's episode. Firstly, changes get made, but then they fail to have the impact that they expected. They don't deliver the business case or the business plan. Secondly, the transformation is a distraction. It's causing you to look in the wrong direction, or it's arguably the wrong change to make. And then finally, that there is too much change in any given organization, which leads to big overwhelm and constipation of change as well. So let's dive into all three of these options. So first up, the changes get made, but they fail to have the impact that they expected. You might recognize this as a classic overpromise, underdeliver moment. And it could be that, but it could also be other factors as well. Misunderstood expectations will consequently get you to ask what were the stakeholders expecting in the first place? This failure to meet the expected impact might be due to the fact that the business case was perhaps massaged a little to get it to work, to get it to show a positive ROI, a positive benefit. 
And that might happen intentionally or unintentionally, which we'll get into. It might be due to a number of unexpected on-costs, which combined really erode the actual benefits of doing the change. Or perhaps equally, the benefits were not quite as virile as originally expected, especially in a market where consumers are being financially challenged and perhaps there is not that same disposable income that we thought might be there at the start of this year. You know, the market has changed through 2022, but of course over the last couple of years as well, let's not beat around the bush. There is lots of volatility, lots of uncertainty. And all of these factors combined may mean that any given change fails to deliver the impact that was expected. And it doesn't necessarily mean that is a mistake. It's just a factor of our changing and evolving world. So what can we do about this? Well, we need to build in more probabilities and more statistics into our business case modelling and operational modelling as well, for that matter. Given the volatility, given the uncertainty, given how things are changing, does your business case assume just a middle of the road forward path? Does it look at what could happen? What if this? What if that? What if our benefits only got delivered to 50%? What would be the impact? Now, there are many reasons why, for example, the benefits might come in at only 50%. And then it's your role as a leader, a driver of the change, of the transformation, to say, how can I understand why those benefits will come in at 50%? How can I minimize the likelihood of that? Or at least how can I get an early warning indication that that might happen? And in turn, that might change how you present the business case. And I spoke about whether numbers have been massaged to make the business case work intentionally or unintentionally. And I think this is an important factor. Have you really honestly looked at what the business case could result at? And do you like the answer? Because it might just be that it's trying to tell you. It's a massive warning signal that says this business case is too close to the wire, or we don't understand how we can, near a damn it, guarantee the benefits or guarantee the costs that are going to be involved. You know, there are many assumptions being made and you need to think about how to test and how to validate each one along the way and understand the sensitivities as well. Now, my belief is that no one is massaging a business case to make it work intentionally lying, shall we say, at the most extreme case, or at least I certainly hope that's not the case. So you need to think about how can you intentionally focus on testing the business case? How can you look at those assumptions, look at those particular failure modes to minimize the likelihood that your change gets made and then fails to have the impact that you expect? That's going to help stop that first challenge when thinking about is transformation failing at present. The second recourse that I wanted to share with you today is the fact that the transformation could be a distraction. Perhaps you are seeing a mirage in front of you, a glorious and luscious future that you need to aim towards. But actually, just like you're stumbling through the desert and the sweltering heat, you are imagining things. You are enjoying this fantasy to make yourself happy, to make yourself feel good, to make those around you feel good as well, for that matter. But actually, this mirage doesn't exist, perhaps. You know, have you taken your eye off the real problems facing the organization? 
Have you been, intentionally or unintentionally, avoiding the reality of the present day and of the short-term future? Now, realistically, I believe that this is not done on purpose. I believe that there are many other reasons. You know, maybe it's about targets being incorrect. Maybe it's about metrics being out of date. Or maybe the organization just doesn't have a good grasp on the reality of the customer experience today. And I suppose the first bit of homework is to say, go and experience your customer experience today. Right now, I'm seeing some really big degradation of customer experience, certainly from my own consumer experiences I'm talking here. Companies not delivering. Companies still talking about COVID procedures that feels so out of date now. Instances where you're getting notifications about deliveries that are not going to ever turn up, for example. Instances where companies are failing to deliver the positive experiences that they delivered a few years ago, let's say pre-COVID, but where customers still have an expectation of that particular experience. And I think if you do not have a good grasp, individually or as an organization, if you do not have a good grasp of the reality of today's customer experience, then this is a big danger. You could be, like I say, stumbling through the desert, focused on that lovely mirage in front of you. And actually, this change, this direction you're heading in is a distraction from the real challenges of the business. So think about how you can take an honest look at your proposition, at your offering, at your customer experience, at your operating model, and think, how does it really work? Not, how do we think it works? Not, how did it used to work? Not, how should it work? But instead, how does it actually work? What is your actual proposition? What is your actual experience, your actual operating model? And with that, you can get a good grasp of the challenges facing your organization today. And therefore, you're much more likely to focus on the big problems rather than let transformation be a distraction, a mirage, if you will. And then the final option I wanted to talk about was if you have got too much change on. You look at all of the different options that you could do and everything seems so good. So what do you decide to do? Let's do it all. And perhaps each business unit or functional unit believes that their top priorities are the best thing for the company and they truly genuinely believe it with the goodness of their heart. And that's great. But as a business, if that is happening with each business unit having their top priority for the company, then suddenly the company has multiple top priorities and therefore nothing is a real priority. Everything is urgent. Everything is important. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And what happens then is confusion. People get muddled. There is overwhelm for those impacted by the change. For example, store colleagues or customers that are subjected to perhaps hundreds of changes at any given moment in time. But it's also overwhelming for those involved in the change. Project managers, IT development teams, leadership. There's so much going on and this confusion comes through. You're not sure what to do first. You're not sure what's most important. And everyone focuses, therefore, on different things. Everyone disperses and no one's pulling in the same direction, but instead everyone's pulling in completely different directions. And I'm sure you can guess the impact then. But just two seconds ago, I spoke about people not being sure about what to do first. And this really suggests our solution here. 
prioritization. If prioritization is an issue and is not happening or is causing everything to be a priority, then this too much change issue is going to come and bite you. So think about what is the change capacity in your organization for your different change customers, whether that be store colleagues, consumers, other parts of the organization. What is that limit to how many changes they can be subjected to? And equally, those delivering the change, how can they focus on a fewer amount of changes at any given moment in time so they can deliver a great job of each change? And you might then turn around and say, well, if I just do a few changes, that's not enough to deliver the strategy, to deliver the financial expectations of the market, whatever. And that is a very fair point. It might be that you've got perhaps a cost-saving target and you need loads of different projects to deliver that. But spend the moment and think, if I can't focus on just a few changes, but I have to focus on the many changes, do I have the right changes on my proverbial pad right now? Or is there a different suite of changes that would deliver the results in a different way? So those are our three challenges that might mean that transformation is failing to deliver at present. But what can we do about it? What can we do about the fact that changes get made and then fail to have the impact that they're expected to have? What can we do about the fact that there's a risk of transformation being a distraction from the real challenges you face? What can we do about overwhelm driven through too much change? Firstly, let's be honest. Change and transformation is hard. It's hard work. It's not simple. So don't feel bad that that's the situation. I'd encourage you to think and recognize that the basics are still important. Don't be too proud to recognize that perhaps it's time to get back to basics, you know? The basics of change, of project management, of change management, as well as the basics of retail, focusing on availability, clear offerings and propositions and fair prices, for example. You know, these basics may seem boring. Perhaps you assume they're happening already. Check that. That's a dangerous assumption to make, by the way. <laughs> but don't overlook the basics in favour of the sexy stuff, whether it be a 10-minute delivery or a checkout-free store. Perhaps that's the right option for you. Perhaps not. You'd have to do the work to understand your specific situation, your specific proposition that you want to lay out in your strategy. And then think about how can you prioritise the changes aligned to that strategy? How can you use more probability and more statistics in your business cases to really understand the sensitivities, understand the risks as you go into this turbulent period? How can you experience your business as a customer or as a colleague for that matter as well, by the way, to really understand the challenges that you face and make sure that your transformation is not this mirage in the desert that is misleading you in the wrong direction. You know, don't give up. I still firmly believe it's worth taking a great look at change and transformation. I do not believe that transformation needs to fail at present or at any time, by the way. But you do need to have an intentional strategy. You do need to have an intentional split between your different types of change. For example, fundamental and incremental transformation. You do need to have an intentional focus on change and project management, as well as program and portfolio management as well. All are different. An intentional prioritization, 
an intentional consideration of the variables. You get the idea, right? (laughs) Sorry to overuse the word intention there. But these things don't happen by chance. And so I challenge you to say, fair point. Let's do this. Let's go to town and make sure that we're doing the best we can do. Maximize the chance of success for our transformation. Because like I say, it's not easy. It is hard. And therefore, it does demand smart work and hard work and careful work as well. And that's why I'm here on the podcast every single week to help inspire you, to help give you ideas, to help guide you through the transformation. And if the podcast isn't enough, then reach out. Let's pick up a conversation and we can talk about your specific change and transformation journey that you want to go on. We can talk about the challenges, talk about how we can work together to overcome those challenges and really drive a positive change, a positive transformation in your organization. Reach me by email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. That's oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And you can find my email on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 207 today. And remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there as well. Plus, you'll find four episodes to listen to next, inspired by today's episode. Just quickly, those four episodes are episode 203, number 203, looking at fundamental and incremental transformation, which we touched on just there at the end, as well as episode 187, number 187, where I asked, what if your transformation is wrong? Particularly thinking about focusing on the right things and not stumbling after that mirage, right? And of course, we started the episode thinking about the challenges of quick commerce and how Amazon Fresh are pausing their expansion in the UK. And if you want to find out more about those two topics, then you can rewind the clock and hear my thoughts about the rise of quick commerce in episode 169, number 169. And then in episode 185, I asked the question, are checkout free stores the future? So four great episodes there to check out. And of course, do scroll through the archives as well. Loads of fantastic listening to catch up on. But I want to say thank you very much for tuning in today. I hope this has been useful. I hope it has inspired you to think differently to consider what you are doing in your transformation and make some intentional changes as well. Why not share this episode with someone you know, perhaps a team member, perhaps a colleague or peer or even a friend. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. So you can reach out on LinkedIn. I'm Oliver Banks or on email. And once again, you can find that email at obandco.uk slash 207. But we're going to wrap this episode up right now. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. I appreciate you always. And I look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very soon. Bye.